Welcome back to 7 Seconds or More. This is episode 33. Man, I always forget to do this. Number 33, Larry Bird. Probably the best number 33 of all time. Does anyone else have any 33s they want to shout out? Uh, Scotty Pippen. Is he 33? Yeah, very good. Yeah. Very good. I feel like he's up there. Yep. Uh, Kareem actually maybe should be the one we're talking about here. True. Kareem. Well, we're like the TikTokers, Celtics fan. You put Larry Bird there, Celtics fan. I, I, I'm a Celtics fan. It's this isn't <laughs> a. I don't have a media credential. All right, there's no conflict of interest here. I, you don't. I don't Absolutely. have an uh, an all star vote. For those lacking the context, uh, Peter posted like a TikTok with uh, his all star selections, and all the comments were just like, "Oh, so you're a Celtics fan, huh?" So yeah, got to throw it at him a little bit. Yeah, it's 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 not a. <laughs> Not trying to hide this here. It's very apparent. <laughs> we try to avoid some of the the East Coast bias on here, and yeah, we're gonna cover some some West uh, two Western Conference teams today. So so calm down, people. In terms of number thirty threes in the NBA, presuming this article is right, we got Nick Claxton. Hey, uh-huh. shout out Nick Claxton, Robin Lopez, uh, James <laughs> Wiseman. <laughs> Okay. Miles Turner. Not bad. Oh. Uh guy we're gonna talk about later, Mike Muscala. <laughs> uh the moose. The moose. <laughs> and then you got Trey Jones, uh Gary Trank Jr. and uh Kyle Kuzma. Some some decent players. Yeah. Yeah, a lot of those guys could be on the move. Gary Trank Jr. certainly could be Kyle Kuzma, very heavily rumored. And now we're gonna talk about a trade that did happen yesterday involving the Washington Wizards in a episode of Full Court Press. So first question, we're going to jump right into it. Yesterday, the Lakers sent Kendrick Nunn and three second-round picks to the Wizards in exchange for former lottery pick Rui Hachimura. Is this the first of several moves for the Lakers, and should they be going all-in around LeBron's historic season? Dan, you can go first. I mean, they have to. I think LeBron publicly came out a couple weeks ago saying that uh, you know, they needed to build a winning team, and he wanted to win. Um, and, you know, Hachimura, you know, young guy with a lot of potential. Uh, I saw a lot of comments after the trade went through that what they needed was spacing. And Rui, I think a lot of people don't think that he can really space the floor that much. He's just like an average player. Maybe he is an average player, but from what I've seen this season, he's definitely improved um, in terms of, you know, spot up threes and. His greatest strength is in the mid-range. He's pretty good from there, and he has good size. So he should have a clear pathway to minutes, um, especially if AD is a little uh, like unstable in terms of his health. Um, yeah, he should be. I think he'll be a good pickup. And with Kendrick Nunn, I think that it's... I think it's kind of funny that people are acting like he's just a straight-up negative asset for five million a year. You know, he had some he had a bone bruise that kept him out for a while. And he's had a rocky career after being part of a heat team where he was one of the main, you know, young young guys there. But um I think they need to give him some time and you know he he's gonna show up for five million a year, I think. Yeah, Kendrick Nunn was a he was a steal when he first signed with the Lakers because he was great in Miami and it looked like a guy who just took less to be able to play in L.A. and play with LeBron. But he's out for so long. Um, at the very least, I think he could recoup some value. And for Rui, I think this is a good opportunity. He should get some solid playing time. And when he plays more than 25 minutes this season, he's he's a much better player. His percentages are up across the board. He becomes a 40% three-point shooter when he plays 25 minutes more compared to 26.7% when he plays less than 25 um and at the very least um higher ceiling and i think a more competent player than some of the guys they're rolling out there forward uh winning gabriel troy brown jr max christie it's it'll, it'll it'll give them someone three second round picks i know sometimes you kind of throw second round picks out like they're nothing lots of great players have been second round picks I'm not saying the Lakers are going to go out and draft a Draymond Green or Nikola Jokic with a second round pick, but three is a lot. If the Lakers are trying to get youth 
eventually and try to figure out what's going to happen post-LeBron. You're going to need some youth. Um, and Flyers with the second-round picks don't hurt. So probably a good move, but a lot of it will depend on if it's the first of these several moves, which I do think they will do. Yeah, that's an interesting like tactic, the three second-rounders and like kind of the first bigger trade before the trade deadline. I know the market is like always set, but you're kind of like setting the expectations for all the trades that are going to follow. And like, if you're going to try to do another trade and trade for a player better than Rui, and you just gave like three second rounders for them, like, I feel like that's going to be taken into account a lot. Although Rui, like, yeah, people forget he shot nearly 45% from three last season, 44.7. So he definitely has the talent and that, that was his career high and it was much higher than his other seasons, but like he has the capability to do it. Um, and I, I do agree with like the, the main question you had, Peter, that they do, they should be going all in around LeBron's historic season because when LeBron retires, they're going to suck anyways. So it'd be better to be great now and tank for like three years than be like mediocre now. And then like kind of in a Charlotte Hornets situation where you're not trying to tank, but you're tanking anyways. Ooh, the, the self, yeah. the self-inflicted wow. wounds there. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I mean, yeah, that's that's what you start to realize as a Hornets fan is that they're not trying to tank, but they are. Well, maybe LeBron will be a better owner than Michael Jordan. At the, at the very least, it's a low bar to hurdle. It's a very low bar. Yeah. Uh, we'll go to our second question here. The current All-Star starting format is constructed of two backcourt players and three frontcourt players. And for instance, in the Eastern Conference, that'll mean that one of Jason Tatum Giannis Antetokounmpo, Kevin Durant, and Joel Embiid will not be starting the All-Star game should the voting format shift to positionless voting. I don't know. Because they're going to be starting in the actual All-Star game. They're going to be the starters, right? Mm-hmm. So, like, uh, I mean, like, maybe All-NBA should be positionless because it doesn't really matter. But, I don't know, what if, like, the five best players in the Easter guards and the five best in the west are like centers and then you get five guards and five centers starting in the all-star game i think just like logistically it's not going to happen and also of those four like i don't know regardless of who it should be jason tatum in the voting is like a million and a half votes behind um whoever's in third i think it's uh mm-hmm. joelle's in third i believe tatum leapfrogged and bead i believe tatum is, is number oh, three. Oh. oh shoot i was looking at the the second like vote whatever it is the second fan vote i didn't realize have they released a third one since then or is, do they keep it live i believe they released one last week because i think uh two days ago sunday i believe that was the last day of fan voting so i think we should get the final update maybe tonight because it's a tnt mm. tuesday night usually they like to do things break news on there Gotcha. Well, then never mind on that. I was surprised that like uh, Embiid was in third with 3 million votes and then Tatum was at 1.6 million. Like oh, that's a big drop off. But yeah. I don't know. I think it, someone's going to get gypped and it's no one's fault, but I think they should keep it somewhat positioned. What do you think, Dan? Yeah, I agree. Um, especially what you said about all NBA. Maybe that one they can keep positionless. Yeah. Um, and then for the All-Star, they need to have some semblance of an actual team because that team is going out on the court to play. So yeah. I think they need to keep the positions. Maybe maybe that that third forward spot or big man spot could just be a flex spot between a guard and a big man. That is maybe a good that point. Could be an adjustment, but yeah. Yeah. Or what if like they didn't have to draft the starters first? Like how funny would it be if like um I don't know. You know like when someone like uh, Wiggins gets voted in as a starter and then there's the the two captains that are drafting the teams and Wiggins wouldn't get drafted as a starter if they like just had the full board versus having to draft the starters first so maybe that would kind of solve it of like although then <laughs> then they would be an all-star starter even though they weren't selected as one so maybe that is a little silly I don't know yeah I don't know if there's a, a perfect way to do it I think this will be one of the first years in a while that there's not like I don't know if that's the right word, like a weak link in the starting lineups for either team. Because in the past, you've seen usually it's the second guard spot in the East, whether it's been Trey Young or Kemba Walker. Normally, there's been one player who, those are great players, but they're not the Giannis and Bede 
LeBron, Durant, Steph sort of tier of player. Um, I personally think they they could go to positionless because they're drafting the teams anyways. The pool gets sort of all mixed up anyways. So so what if LeBron wants to draft all guards or something like that? It's his decision. Um, everything will get mixed up anyways. And like a player like Giannis, he can play the five. He can play the, like the four, the three. He can play anything. Um, it's such a positionless game. And I think um, it, it, would, it would just make a lot of sense. But that being said, considering the format we are using, which of the four are having come off the bench between Tatum, Giannis, KD, and Embiid with the news today from Shams, uh, quote, there's optimism that Kevin Durant will return to action for the Nets ahead of the All-Star break and play in the All-Star game, sources said. Start us off, Duncan. I think it's got to be Embiid just because of games played like i i don't have the numbers up in front of me quick enough but i believe he's played decent amount fewer games but then again kevin's probably played even fewer with the injury i'm not really sure maybe maybe i get those numbers up before uh giving you a definitive definitive answer but mm. like tatum's been so like invaluable like he might not finish ahead in mvp voting as some of them at the end of the season who knows but i, I don't know he's missed one game for deuce's birthday party and besides that he's been available all year <laughs> so like uh, I think I think I put Joel on the bench. Sorry, Joel. Wow. I'm gonna I'm gonna put Giannis on the bench. Uh, mm, that's a as a yeah. <laughs> as a fan of the association. I will <laughs> say uh, I was I was between KD and Giannis dropping one of the two, but the true shooting percentages of Kevin Durant this season on the difficulty of shots. Is I think it's just amazing to watch him play. It's and, insane, yeah. Yeah, so I'm I'm, I'm gonna take Giannis on the bench. Ah, uh, this is so. I made my 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 All Star TikTok at seven seconds or more on TikTok um a couple of days ago, and I had Durant on the bench, just mainly because I thought he would end up not being able to play anyways because of injury. But if he does come back, the player who has played the least amount of games here, by the way, is Embiid with 34. Oof. Giannis has ten lo- Giannis played 36. Oh, okay, okay. 39 for Kevin, 45 for Jason Tatum. But I'm going to have to agree with Dan here. I think I will bench the Greek freak. Um, and I think maybe, maybe this isn't the point of all-star voting, but... It just it things are so close here. I'm gonna bench him because the Bucks were so many people's favorites out of the East because mm. they thought with Middleton healthy, you know, they they'd be back to um form. Um granted Giannis can't do it all alone, but the I think the Bucks have been very underwhelming, even with a great shoe holiday season and with the games missed. Um and Beat has just been nuclear and I think you have to reward him. Durant, I don't know how this MVP conversation is going to happen, but he should be near the near the front of it. And then uh, Jason Tatum, first seed in the whole NBA. Um, I'm sure if you look at Raptor, he's pretty high up on that stat. I can't bench him, so sorry, Giannis. Yeah, but with the the fan voting, like yeah. the Greek freak is popular. Like even though maybe he should be benched, he's he he's not gonna. I feel like I don't know. I might be wrong, but. I feel like he'll make yeah. the top two of the fan voting either way. Yeah, he and LeBron are leading right now. Yeah, uh, yeah. he might be a captain. I think Giannis passed Kevin. Mm. Wow. How is the how is the captain chosen? Is the captain fear, uh, purely fan vote, or is that also like... Ca- captain is uh, number okay. one vote getter, uh, total votes. Yeah, so if he's a captain just by total votes, then like <laughs> it doesn't matter, yeah. right? I think you're locked in as a starter because the way the starters are picked is 50% fan vote, then 25% player and media votes. And then the coaches pick the benches. Gotcha. So keep all that in mind. We got a little ways to go. I don't know when the teams are going to be announced. I'm going to guess just off the top of my head, uh, this or next week on TNT. Usually that's how this thing sort of goes so keep an eye out for that um uh, and one thing i wanted to do this isn't in our notes today 
I need to know what the people think about Shannon Sharp taking on <laughs> the whole Memphis Grizzlies team led by our boy Steven Adams. Absolutely. Dan, as a Steven Adams fan, yes. Uh, uh, what did you think about the whole thing? You know, Shannon Sharp, he was all huffing and puffing, and then Steven Adams with his hair tie loose, hair flowing down to his shoulders, comes marching towards him. You see Shannon Sharp take a step back. You know it's done, and you know it's game over. Yeah, it's Cal Drogo right there. He's <laughs> coming for you. <laughs> I, it was incredibly hypocritical of Shannon at first, although he had a very, very sincere apology. For anyone who hasn't seen Shannon's apology on Undisputed, um, not sponsored, but Undisputed, please sponsor us. Um, <laughs> a very, very real apology, and I think it actually... Like, I believed him. But at the same time, how is he allowed to stay at the game? I mean, he, like, instigated a fight with the, with the whole team. Yeah, they were going ridiculous. to time out, but still. I think it sells so well that, like, the NBA, like, I don't know. I mean, half, of us, half of us watch it for the drama, you know? Like, uh, it makes headlines. It makes articles. But also, like, the Grizzlies are in such a weird spot. Because I have, like, the two perspectives of them. The, like, J.J. Redick, I love the Grizzlies. They're so great. And mm-hmm. then the... For some reason, the media or the Grizzlies themselves are trying to spin themselves as like this hated team when it's just like a, a bunch of like young guys who haven't really done too much yet. So it's a it's a weird predicament with them because I feel like they're not hateable enough to be hated, even though they're kind of trying to get that that heel that WWE heel vibe to them. That's a good point. I think they're just so like young and hungry, and they're just all like buds. I think they kind of just. I don't know. I think they want to create that that narrative just so they can have yeah. the chip on their shoulder. Yeah. Well, maybe they're like the UConn men's basketball team, and you can only win if you're the underdog. You know, like you have to you have to put that chip <laughs> on your own shoulder, or else you'll lose three games in a row and drop from second to to nineteenth. <laughs> hey. Well, uh, depending on how this weather goes, uh, Wednesday, January twenty fifth, home game in Gamble Pavilion against Xavier. It could be all students. There's a rumor. Yeah. There's a rumor going around. Dan, you better be there. Better be our correspondent. I will be there. I'll be present. Oh, okay. nine thousand students. That's like it's probably like half of the student body at stores. Like, yeah, crazy. And this isn't uh There's there's not all UConn <laughs> bias in that because Andre Jackson, Jordan Hawkins, Adama Sinogo, Donovan Klingon, all NBA prospects. To different to differing degrees so little little, little scouting in person scouting there oh yeah speaking of scouting we're going to talk about some teams today that maybe they should be looking at nba prospects because they have not been playing well maybe they should go right to looking at who will be available in the upcoming nba draft highs and lows is what we're calling this one so nice. here's a little synopsis the nba season is long in fact steve kerr the other day he advocated publicly for a 72-game season. So that'd be 10 less games than current amount because they had a back-to-back Boston to Cleveland, and they rested pretty much all their starters. And I believe they, they won that game. <laughs> uh, but he did like apologize for the fans who they all come yeah. to see Steph and then he doesn't play, for instance. Um, but teams have been, they're very streaky because of how long the NBA season is. So let's look at some of the hottest and coldest teams and we will go with mike muscala's oklahoma city thunder to start let's go little synopsis of the thunder uh they're seven and three over their last 10 so they've been playing well if you extend it to their last 12 they're eight and four uh and they have some impressive wins but there are some caveats here they've beaten denver they've been indiana without tyrese halliburton they've beaten brooklyn without kevin durant they've been chicago without demar Derozan. They've been Philly. They've been Dallas without Luka Doncic. Washington <laughs> without Bradley Beal. And they beat the Celtics, who were healthy. And they lost uh. to uh, the Beam team uh, and then the, the Heat and the Magic. So before we get into the rest of it, what has stood out, Dan, about the Thunder this year, considering, you know, without Chet coming into this year, I think a lot of people were very, very negative. In I'm sure their over/under total for the season was super, super low. Yeah, um, I think 
I think a lot of people just assumed that they they were a twenty win team. And that was even before they drafted Chet. Um, and then obviously they they got hit with that injury. But I think what stood out with this team, the Thunder team, they're so fun to watch because they have a lot of role players that contribute across the board. Um, their vets, Kenrich Williams, like who is that? You know, he's he's, <laughs> oh he's been a great presence for them. He's been a good good presence for them. Even Mike Muscala's. Now he's not a great player, but he's he's putting in the work. You guys, you have guys like Isaiah Joe. He's a sniper from three. He didn't get a chance under the Sixers with Doc, but you know he's basically free for the Thunder, and he's proving to be a good asset for them. Um, and they just have so many, so many young players that are fearless. Um, a lot of three and D guys, a lot of wings. So, and I think the most notable guy in this campaign so far probably is apart from Shea and Giddy would be Jalen Williams. I think he's proving out to be a steal and at worst he's probably the third the third best rookie in this class so far. At worst. We talked about both the Jalen Williams is after the NBA draft. Now Duncan, is this one J dub? Oh gosh. I think I, I want to say so. it is so this and is Jalen with a Y was just Jalen. Yeah, Jalen with a I mean, Y, I believe, yeah. is the big man. Yeah. yeah, he's the one. He's not as good as J Dub. Yeah. All right. Well, we got it. We got it cleared out. Um, I got a little two pieces of trivia for you. Uh, first one: Mike Muscala was a former L.A. Laker. Who did the Lakers trade in order to get Mike Muscala? Do either of you know? They did. They didn't trade him. Oh gosh, was it, who did the Lakers trade Mike Muscala for? No, no, they no. They didn't directly it's, trade uh, him to the Thunder, right? Uh, uh I, oh, I don't think way? so. Uh, no, no, yeah, so I'm asking, uh, who did the Lakers trade? Who did they give up to get Mike Muscala? This was several years ago. I remember reading about this, but I don't remember who was involved. Is it going to be something stupid? Uh, like, yeah, it's going to be really bad. Oh gosh. They gave away uh, Dwight Howard. No, not Dwight Howard. <laughs> it was like within uh, the last like four years, four or five years. Huh. It's one of Dan's favorite players. Oh. Was it the Latvian laser? <laughs> it is uh, it, it is close. It, it was even it close. Avika Zubac. Yeah. Oh, I totally forgot he was on the Lakers. Zublaka. 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 Oh <laughs> yeah, I think it was like rookie or second year Zubox they traded because they wanted they wanted shooting around LeBron, so they traded for Mike Muscala. <laughs> Gosh. And then That's second, crazy. second question here. This should be a little easier. Who is the second highest paid player on the Thunder? Number one is Shea Gilgis Alexander. Who is the second highest payer? Paid player. It's not Mike Muscala, right? It is not Mike Muscala. I will give you that. Okay. Okay, good. Is not... it Mr. Dort? It is Mr. Dort. Oh, wow. Impressive. Mr. Dort's making, I believe, like $15 million a year. Wow. <laughs> He's locking a... up players every night. Yeah, they're in a good spot. That's their second most expensive player. The yeah. more I watch like <laughs> Lou Dort though, the closer he is to like Patrick Beverly than to being a good player. <laughs> He's just a lot of talk and he chucks a lot of threes. I would have to look at the percentages, so it doesn't look like I'm just talking out of my ear here. But uh it's it's just not impressive. Anyways, back to the Thunder, uh the team. In terms of the future of this roster, uh after this year. Darius Baisley is a restricted free agent. They have the club option on Muscala. They have some non-guaranteed contracts in Jeremiah Robinson, Earl, Isaiah Joe, Aaron Wiggins. So pretty much the whole core would be there. <laughs> they are tied for 10th in the West, only one game ahead of the Lakers and the Trailblazers, only one and a half behind of Dallas, who's fifth. Because again, we talked wow. about, uh, I think it was last or last episode, Duncan, how bunched up everything is in the middle of the West. So yeah. Duncan... Do you think they should try to make a small move, try to sneak into the play-in and just 
maybe add like a small piece or should they I just stand so. pat? Yeah, no, I think standing pat would be a mistake for them because they're not worried about getting a good draft pick. They have great young players that they can already build around. And Chet's already coming back next year. That's almost like having a draft pick because you have the former number one player who's going to join your squad. So you're not like trying to tank your pick. You also have the Clippers first round pick. Um, so if, if in the end of the day, you really do want one of the top guys, you can like that's leverage to get there. I think having that playoff experience with this young core, even if it's just, well, hopefully out of the plane, being in a playoff series, it just gets you so much further on that, like finding a championship window at some point. Um, because then like, I don't know, the next season, next season, when you have Chet, you've already been through it. It's kind of, it's kind of like giving me Pelicans and Zion vibes, you know, mm-hmm. like not that Chet is Zion, but he's on the bench, saw everybody go through it and still has some of that. Like it builds culture, the playoff series give like the players kind of a reason to come back and get to that point. So I think like a small trade, they have all this draft capital. They have all these guys, maybe some of the guys that are going to be like free agents that I, I, I don't know. Actually, I don't know what a trade looks like for them, but since they are so close within those games, maybe they don't even need a trade to do that. But mm-hmm. if there is something you can do to ensure being in like the, eighth or ninth seed versus or seventh or eighth seed versus nine or ten seed i think that would that would be good for where they are right now yeah i agree um they have a ton of first round picks until 2027 they have what six nine they have 14 picks including this year oh my first gosh. round picks until 2027 so i think at a certain point you have to consolidate those for better picks or you know vets and in terms of vets i think they should be looking to bolster the front court um they need a big man. Yeah. You know, the moose, the moose is there, but the moose is he's he's a questionable player too. So <laughs> yeah. the moose is getting some gray hairs on his body. Um yeah. <laughs> I was actually gonna double down on what you're saying, Dan. At a certain point, they gotta consolidate these picks. And you've seen in the last couple of years they have been willing to trade up and secure a guy they like. I believe they did that with Uzman Zhang, who has not played this. I don't think he's played at all this year. He's been injured first-round pick. I believe they also traded up uh, in order to get Poku uh, a couple years ago. Um, Say what you want about those picks. Still kind of TBD. Um, I think that's more where they're going to land because they just don't have the roster spots to um, keep drafting three or four guys every year. And yeah. They picked up like Isaiah Joe from the Sixers, who's been a very solid shooter. Uh, Jalen Williams has been good. Um, every year, it seems like they add one or two guys that kind of looks like they can play. Um, at a certain point, they're, they're going to run out of um, yeah. spots for everyone. Yeah, well, because not in this upcoming draft, but the one afterwards, they have four first-round picks. They have the Clippers, their own, the Rockets, and the Jazz. You know, the Rockets could very well be a top three pick. I don't know if there's protection on that. I don't I don't see on where I'm seeing this right now. But like it's yeah, like you said, they're gonna run out of roster spots, so that experience could could really help because they're gonna get those they're they're bound to hit on at least one of those picks at some point, you know. I agree. I, I heard some people talking about maybe if they should go after OG and Anubi. I don't know, because they would have to pay him a lot of money. Um, immediately, and I don't know if that really fits with the timeline. I know we like to joke all the time, does Shea fit with the timeline of his team? <laughs> I think we've dispelled some of that with how, how well he's been playing, obviously. yeah. yeah. Uh, I don't know if OG makes the most sense for them, but I, I do think a, a another wing always could help, just like yeah. a Lou Dort sort of upgrade or a big. Um, we'll see. Chet is someone who can defend the rim. A lot, a lot, yeah. a lot depends on him until we see him. Anyone have any last thoughts here on the Thunder? Yeah, well, just with Chet, real quick. Like he seemed to excel very well in college, kind of as the power forward, like help defender, and having like a, an actual big there and allowing him to be that like help swatter, kind of like what I've seen like the clips of Victor doing. He seems good as like a power forward there. Like that seems like having that center would be even better than allowing Chet to dominate over shorter players in the power forward position. Yeah, it's similar to the system that the Bucks are, you know, deploying with Brook Lopez and Giannis. Giannis is a great help defender. Brook yeah. is anchoring. So if they could get something like that going, then you know they're set. Yeah, for sure. 
that has turned into the modern way to play big men in the NBA. You see Celtics do it with Robert Williams and Al Horford all the time. Um, to a degree, to a degree, Brooklyn does it with Nicholas Claxton and Kevin Durant. Durant averages, mm-hmm. if you look at his block numbers, are actually way higher than you may think. Um, but it, it is the modern way to use a big. Maybe the Thunder need Al Horford, <laughs> former Thunder himself. <laughs> Maybe yeah, Mike Muscala I mean, will be the answer for that. I, I'm like the first to, to try to. I don't know, package and send Mason Plumley, but I, I feel like that kind of center doesn't really help um, in the Thunder's case. You want someone with a little more like known leadership and playoff experience than that. So maybe half of it is just getting like a character like Al, who's a locker room presence and all that with all these young players. I mean, a Brook Lopez type would be good. Yeah. Uh, I'm trying to think of who would make sense. Uh, well, there is a guy that could be available. He is on sneakily young, and he could be available either at the deadline or this offseason. And that's Miles Turner of the Indiana Pacers, our next team we're going to talk about here. Flawless transition. I thought you were going to say Bam Adebayo. <laughs> oh, my God. Certainly not available, I wouldn't think. <laughs> uh, but the Pacers, they have been uh, maybe not the uh, direct opposite of the Thunder, but they've been real bad lately. They're 2-8. and eight over their last seven or oh boy she's two and eight over the last 10 including seven losses in a row the only wins have been over the abysmal charlotte hornets as well as the uh, uh portland yeah, trailblazers throwing abysmal <laughs> i had to actually they only they only beat the hornets by like two point or three points that game okay hey we're not talking about point differential here we're talking about wins and losses okay okay no but that is true uh the pacers have lost to the suns uh nuggets uh the aforementioned thunder bucks grizzlies hawks Knicks, and, and sixers so not like a like a bad slate of teams by any means uh but where they are in the standings they are ninth in the east I think this mm-hmm. is more so where we thought they could be. May, they may have overperformed expectations earlier in the season. Uh, they are tied with Chicago. They're two games ahead of Toronto and Washington, uh, but only three back of six seed Miami. Um, but that's pretty much the ceiling of this team because it's super difficult for any team on the outside to crack into that top five in the East, Boston, Philly, Milwaukee, Brooklyn, Cleveland. And a lot of this... Um, or mainly all this losing has been because Tyrese Halliburton has been out with a, uh, I believe it's a knee, like leg and elbow injury. Yeah, it's a double whammy, yeah. So I think their whole outlook for this season has has kind of shifted with this slide. Um, I actually looked right before we started recording, Zach Lowe came out with an episode of his podcast talking about if the Halliburton injury should change their uh, trade deadline outlook but i haven't heard it so so you cannot call me out for for if we end up saying the same thing if anything it's an honor because he gets paid money to do what he does we do not so dan as someone who has tyrese halliburton in fantasy basketball what do you think they should do should they maybe cash in on miles turner or do you think he's going to be a long-term part of this core in indiana um, I don't think they need to feel any, you know, rush just because they're on this skid personally. You know, Miles Turner was playing, you know, really well with Halliburton. And as everyone knows, Halliburton really makes everyone around him play better. So his, you know, his absence is pretty, it's pretty, you know, damning on the squad. Um, yeah, these, these injuries are just not good for them. And they need these guys to step up like Andrew Nemberg. TJ McConnell, as an owner of TJ McConnell in fantasy, you know how well he's been on a personal level. Yeah, he's been uh, he's been stepping up. Yeah, um, Buddy Heald, he was he was blazing hard to hot to start the season. And it seems like he's cooled down a bit. Um, you have guys like Jalen Smith, that was expected to take a huge leap this year, but he's lost his place to none other than Aaron Nesmith, mm-hmm. legend of the Boston Celtics. Legend. Um, so yeah uh what do you think duncan 
Yeah, it's kind of tough because like, what does the team look like without Miles Turner right now? Like when you're trading him, you're are you going to involve another big man in that trade? Because like, I don't think you put Jalen Smith. Like, would he be the the immediate replacement on that roster for Miles Turner? Like, I don't I don't see how any of the other options are necessarily better. Um, and like, I don't know. You, you get a Mason Plumley, and that that seems like a lose lose trade for the Hornets and the Pacers. Like right now, when uh, Halliburton and Turner are playing, they're winning games. So yeah, even though they're skidding, like you said, Dan, I, I don't think it's time to just give up on Miles Turner, especially when he's having a a pretty productive season with Tyrese at the helm. Miles Turner is weird. I I feel like he's been in. Uh, trade rumors forever. Uh, Tyrese actually just talked about how he's been really working on that pick and roll with Miles. Um, I think a lot depends on what his possible price would be this offseason. Um, there's not the most amount of teams that would have a lot of cap space. Um, and as well, I think Indiana would be a more desirable place a destination than a lot of those other teams. So it, it really depends on how uh, Indiana views him internally. And to Miles' credit, um, not that he can change this, but he's only 26. Uh, he turns 27 uh, towards the end of March. So he still fits the timeline. He's still been productive. And I think if he signs maybe like a hometown discount, a little Indiana discount, that could, um, I, I think they end up keeping him just because Tyrese is as many times as we talk about him, he is the engine that drives the bus of this team and they will go as far as Tyrese can lead them. Um, and the clock will start ticking soon next season or after next season, he will be a restricted free agent. I will expect the Pacers to lock him up on a max deal as soon as they can. And as soon as you get that max salary in, um, you know, the dimensions of your team building and roster construction change a lot. So maybe maybe Buddy Heald is one that gets dealt a year early. He is a f- unrestricted free agent after next season, and with that year and a half of control, maybe he could yield a bigger return than Miles. But we will see. The Pacers kind of never cease to surprise us. Obviously, the Sabonis trade yeah. came out out of nowhere last year, so we will see. Yeah, I think something that would be important with that is signing Miles to a tradable contract. You know, because he isn't an all-star starter every year. Um, they don't want to make like a a mistake of signing him to 35 a year. Or, I, I don't know what he'd be asking for, but something where he has one bad season and now you're stuck with this player for four more years. Um, but also that being said, the Pacers, as of November, like according to Keith Smith NBA, um, he, he's verified on Twitter. I don't know who he is, but he's verified. He, he's so a, he he's has, a writer for Spotrack, uh, which oh. and as well as Celtics blog. He mainly covers Celtics and Magic. Good, good Twitter follow. Shout out to Keith Smith. Yeah, shout out Keith Smith. But his uh, 2023 cap space projections, based off of like some extensions and scale options, they're second in most cap space with nearly 50 million. So also, if they they need they're in a tough spot because they don't necessarily need to keep him, but also it seems like they want to keep him and they can afford to do it. So if you're Miles Turner, why would you take a discount when the team that's signing you has the second most space in the league, you know, but where else do you go? Like, what do you do? I don't know. Uh, it might be a lot for him to move his Lego collection to a different city. So maybe he prefers <laughs> to stay pat. <laughs> that's fair. Uh, you know, I think this team uh, was actually rumored to be maybe in a Miles Turner sign-in trade this offseason because they had a restricted free agent of their own that they signed to a tradable contract. That'd be the Phoenix Suns and the the guy we just sort of mentioned, uh, DeAndre Ayton. The Suns have been, um, again, a weird team. A lot of this is injury-dependent. Um, they are 4-6 and six over their last 10, but they're on a three-game win streak. So if you take away the three-game win streak... <laughs> Then they are two and twelve over their previous fourteen. Keep in mind, only four mm-hmm. of those fourteen were at home, and the only wins were in Golden State, one of the best home teams in the league, and in Memphis. So, uh, super super strange. But all this has been without Devin Booker, who, uh, similar to Tyrese Halliburton, he really drives the bus of Phoenix. Uh, and in terms of their standings, they're eighth in the West, 
only one and a half ahead of 13th seed Portland, but only two and a half back of fourth seed uh, New Orleans. So uh, again, before we get into the rest of it, uh, what even is the ceiling of this team? I know we talked in the preseason when trying to sort of assess the league that this may be a team that gets a lot of regular season wins, but they might not get that extra step in the postseason because we were unsure chemistry-wise. Uh, what are you seeing out of them without Devin Booker at the moment, Dan? I, I, I don't have much confidence in them without Devin Booker. I mean, obviously, he's the best player on that team. But um, like Chris Paul, he's had, he had a shaky season. Obviously, he missed some time too. Uh, DeAndre Ian, he had that drama with Monty Williams, uh, whether he's staying or going. They had that some bad blood there. And um, yeah, he just doesn't, he didn't look interested uh, when, he's, when he's playing, when he's on the court. And then it just seems like, at least when I saw their most recent games, especially the win over Memphis on Sunday, they were up 20. And then the fourth quarter comes around and they almost blew the entire thing because they seem to run out of ideas towards the end because they don't have an actual closer. Um, it seemed like they were trying to give Mikhail some run to close out games and they were training him for those late game situations so that when Booker does inevitably come back, um, they have, you know, three, three guys that they can go to and Chris Paul book and Mikhail. But yeah, they have, they definitely have to answer a lot of questions. Uh, they picked up Saban Lee and he's actually been pretty serviceable for them. So maybe he's a bright spot for them. Yeah, no, that is a good point. I wouldn't be surprised if in the offseason, the Suns, like, with new ownership and everything, I don't know when that deal is effective by, like, that could be a place where a lot of things are, are shaken up soon. But it kind of, like, gives me, uh, like, I know we said they'd win a lot of games in the regular season, but now it's kind of giving me, like, Tampa Bay Buccaneers vibes, where they have mm-hmm. the, the roster to maybe win the whole thing, and they could get in the playoffs, but then they could just get blown out against, the, like, an actual good team instead of a team that just has good players, you know? and. I don't have a lot of confidence in them either. I, I, I think a lot of this is... Imagine how bad they'd be if Mikhail Bridges wasn't like the stud he is. He plays every game. <laughs> he has only gotten better every year in terms of scoring from all three levels uh, and as a defender. And he's been sort of tasked to uh, improve as a playmaker due to everything that's been crumbling around him. But we wouldn't be having this conversation if DeAndre Ayton was like actually good. <laughs> he hasn't taken <laughs> a leap. He was picked number one overall over some guys you might know, like Luka Doncic, Trey Young, Karen <laughs> Jackson Jr., uh, Marvin Bagley. Uh, but you, you have to call that pick a miss. I mean, he has never been even close to sniffing the conversation of being an all-star. <laughs> like just, just nowhere in, in galaxies apart as Chun Lee likes to say. Um, and here's an interesting stat for you about the effectiveness of their players. So they have eight players this season who average 20 plus minutes a game and have played in at least 24 games, which is half of their half of their games. Uh, of them, in terms of net rating, Devin Booker is first, which makes sense. He's their best player. I don't think anyone will question that. Their last is Torrey Craig. Okay, second to last, DeAndre Ayton. Booker has a 5.8 net rating. Aiden has a negative 3.8. So that's just a stark difference. I'm not saying Aiden is going to be a Devin Booker type, maybe top 15 player in the NBA. But is Aiden a top 50 player in the NBA? Uh, probably not. I think he might be. Like, I don't think he's like fantastic, but man's still averaging like, double double like almost 18 points and 10 rebounds a game like mm. I, I mean i guess i'd have to like count it out to see if there's 49 players if there are 50 players better than him in the league but then again i feel like Aiden, you put him on any other team then maybe you get a different player out of him versus the obviously obviously he doesn't want to play in phoenix uh kind of mentality yeah i mean i think i think the talent is undeniable maybe it is deniable but <laughs> it seems like what he's missing is that that motor, you know, yeah. um, 
I was I mean, watching the Lakers. Play there. <laughs> yeah, I was watching the Laker game against the Blazers the other night, and you know Tom Bryant, he's he was going crazy on the boards. Like the motor on him is just a stark contrast to someone like DeAndre Ayton, who everyone you know regards as one of the top centers in the NBA, but he just doesn't seem to have that that drive in him. Yeah. Uh, these aren't perfect rankings, but the Ringer did uh, the top 100 players in the NBA, they ranked him. Uh, just for some context, I, again, I wouldn't take these quite literally, but I think these are generally accurate sort of ballparky. Uh, number 12 is Devin Booker. Number mm-hmm. 46 is Mikal Bridges. Number 72 oh, wow. is DeAndre Ayton. Oh, wow. Again, I don't wow. know how perfect it is. For instance, <laughs> they have him one slot ahead of Kevin Herter and one spot behind Al Horford. So, I mean, it's hard. It's super hard. To, like, oh, yeah, that's very with. difficult. To, yeah. But yeah. I, I think it gives you a good sort of picture of the player DeAndre Ayton has been, if you haven't caught up. Um, but uh, aside well, from Ayton, uh, Duncan, would you like to go? Yeah, I have one more Ayton thing. Because we were just talking about a team that has a lot of draft capital that needs a center, the Oklahoma City Thunder. Do you think that would be a decent landing point with him, with the new ownership coming in, with them maybe needing to change things up, and with a team that would be maybe willing and able to pay like two first-round picks for someone that will get 10 rebounds a game? He, he kind of seems like damaged. I don't, I don't know like damaged goods is the right word, but uh, everything that I've heard about the Thunder um is that they sort of want players who know what they do with the ball and can sort of make plays at all positions um and i think floor spacing and defense is a priority and maybe i haven't watched enough deandre Aiden, or maybe i'm too critical i don't think he checks any of those boxes (laughs) he has not developed a a reliable three-point shot i wouldn't necessarily call him a rim protector and he's not a reliable playmaker. I don't yeah. think he no, makes a lot of sense for them. That is fair. Where do you see him landing, then, if anywhere? Well, well whoever gets him uh, has to sign him, right? Because he's on an expiring deal. No, Aiden. They gave him a. They gave him the bag, didn't they? Give him a max. Yeah, they did. I think. Oh, shoot. My bad. Him. My bad. Why is he still in Phoenix then? I thought he wanted to leave. <laughs> I think it was leverage or something. I think he maybe gotcha. just wanted to explore what was out there, and then maybe no teams really wanted him. Other than Indiana, I think maybe was willing to take the flyer mm. on the talent. Because, again, he, he may fit their timeline a, a little better than Miles Turner, who is still only 26. <laughs> yeah. But Interesting. As, aside yeah. from, from DeAndre... Uh, Cam Johnson recently returned to the lineup. He will be a restricted free agent after this season. Uh, Jake Crowder is still absent, although I think he tweeted eyeball emojis the other day. So take that for what I it's worth. I did see that. Yeah. He'll, <laughs> yep. he'll that be man's in a Laker. <laughs> oh God. So <laughs> I see it. I see it already. Jay will be an unrestricted free agent after this season, and I believe the Suns uh, are in control of all their future draft picks. So. What can they do to improve the roster and how far can it make them? Because, I mean, you're, you're getting a half season of a disgruntled Crowder. Uh, and then uh, they have like Josh Akogi is expiring, Saric is expiring, and, and as well as the picks. What are they doing to improve this roster? Because they are still, obviously, they're in, in the hunt, two and a half back of the four seed, but. What is the next step? A- any ideas? Anyone? I- I'm I'm hunting for him as well. It's the best player available. Mm. There were, I mean, there was the Shams tweet saying that um, they were in the running for Rui, along with the Pacers and the Lakers, obviously. Hmm. So I don't know what that addition would have looked like if Jay Crowder would have been involved in that. Um, what his value is in comparison to, you know, the haul that, or I wouldn't call it a haul, but what the mm-hmm. what the Wizards got in return. So, um, yeah, there haven't I haven't really read any reports or rumors about what type of player they might be interested in, other than, you know, obviously Rui and the whole Kevin Durant saga mm. from last year. Gosh, I I forgot about that. 
I'm, I'm glad we don't have to talk about designated player extensions <laughs> and only be able to acquire one of those players in a trade. It's uh, It was a whole gross period of time. I, I do keep seeing Phoenix linked to guys, but nothing concrete. Um, in, in terms of their new owner, Duncan, I believe that I, I don't know how long it takes to ratify the sale process and all that. I mean, it's a long, you're talking about billions of dollars. It's not just an overnight thing. Uh, he was at, he made his uh, appearance at a Suns game for the first time as a governor or incoming governor. I don't know if there's a term there uh, of gotcha. the team. So could well, Kostarva is out of the picture, right? Um, I mean, I I don't know how long the transition period is. I, I, I don't think he would be able to make like moves while he's selling the team. I don't think he's yeah, allowed, yeah. allowed to do that on his way out, but yeah. Oh, that'd be interesting. Uh, I am curious to see what happens because they definitely, they do still have a ton of potential, but yeah, maybe it is another, like just a Jay Crowder replacement. You know, you, you move him in a second just to get someone that will take his minutes or take what would have been his minutes. And yeah, Charles Barkley the other day, he was talking about how basically the, the Suns need to blow it up. And I think that's a bit reactionary. You know, these guys are all, or most of them are between like 22, 26. They have a solid core. Um, yeah, I think just let them let them hash it out, figure it out, and keep going. It'll be a team to monitor moving forward uh, as a team we thought would be a power in the West and uh, has slid from that at the moment. So we will now read last week's Q&A and poll. As always, if you would like to have your voice heard, you can listen to us on Spotify. Or if you don't listen to us on Spotify, you can just go there instead. So just open the Spotify app, search seven seconds or more, uh, go to the episode description and scroll down. So uh, last week we asked in our poll, which team in the West are you most confident in between Denver Memphis, New Orleans, and Dallas. At the time, that was the top four seeds in the West. And there was a tie between Denver and New Orleans. Has anything changed for either of you since then, having more confidence in Denver versus the Pelicans? I don't think so. I think I voted for Denver. Who'd you vote for, Dan? I changed my vote from the Pelicans to Denver. Yeah, after watching Denver... I'll admit I haven't watched many Denver games, but their offense is just, I think it's great. And, you know, Aaron Gordon, he's been really good this season. He's simplified his game to, you know, fit the offense and defense of that Nuggets team. Uh, Jamal Murray is back. Yeah, they have, I think, I think it's an exciting team to watch. And I'm rooting for them. I'm rooting for them. Yeah. What do you guys They don't think? have a lot of holes. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, that's like, been. What do you exploit? One of the bigger things they've been, this is probably Jokic's best surrounding cast. Um, and a lot of this has been with Michael Porter Jr. kind of being a non-factor. He's away from the team due to personal reasons, I believe involving his brother uh, at the moment. So they've been able to survive pretty well without him. Bruce Brown has been a great pickup, as well as Davis Caldwell-Pope. Uh, yeah. Aaron Gordon's taking a leap. So I, I would agree. I think Denver was my vote, and I would stick with them. Yeah. So do you uh, vote why do you for... not? Wait, no, go ahead. <laughs> no, I was gonna ask why don't you see like you know the Grizzlies or the Pelicans in that picture? Why is it, why do you guys think it's just the Nuggets up there right now? Uh, for me, it it was I think it was close between Memphis and Denver for me with New Orleans. It was rumored that Brandon Ingram would be back like three weeks ago and that he joined the team on the road trip. And then there's no update and he's just in street clothes since. Something's weird going (laughs) on there. That's like Zion level weird and Zion's also out. So I just can't at the moment put confidence in New Orleans. And I, I think, again, I would lean closer to Memphis because I got all the guys. Uh, As much as people tried to sort of negate this and say that they just want to ride with their guys. They could easily cash in a chip. They have some salaries they can move and picks if they want to maybe get an OG and a newbie. I know that costs a lot, but a, a, another wing they could slide in 
take some of the the minutes away from Dylan Bricks. I mean, I mean Bricks. I mean uh, Brooks. Um, <laughs> uh, Duncan Dylan any, Instigator Brooks. Any thoughts on New Orleans, Duncan? I, I like. I don't know. It's it's not that I don't have confidence in them. I mean, you made a pretty like good case for why not to have confidence in them. But it's just it's hard to not choose the Nuggets over any of them because whatever like I do have some confidence in one team, the Nuggets seem to have more of right now. And yeah, similarly, Dan, like I mean, with the time difference here, I can't watch a ton of games. And I, I watched one Denver game like maybe two weeks ago, and Jokic just like you you couldn't do anything to stop him. Like you double team him, he throws over over the guys because he can see the whole court. Like it's just you you do one on one against your best defender, and he'll just. Like he won't dunk on them, but he'll do a little, like yeah. little alley oop or little little. I don't know. He's unstoppable. It's hard to you can slow him down, but that's about it. So it's hard to to choose another team over them. He really just slow cooks everyone. You know, he's moving in slow motion and can't do anything about it. It's yeah, just crazy. We should make him the the pressure cooker. That's his new nickname because <laughs> he he slow cooks everybody. I like that. For the instant pot. That's yeah. good. That's In, nice. Instant pot. Ooh, <laughs> ooh. <laughs> I like that. Yeah. We'll send it in. Well, they they always we'll say send. that as a player improves, uh, that the game slows down for them sort of in their head, even if they're moving fast. Uh, but with Jokic, he's already moving slow. So maybe it, it already came to him pretty easily. Yeah. Maybe he should be the real time lord. Sorry, Rob oh. Williams. Oh my! Oh no! 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 <laughs> I I can't! I can't! No! You take that back. He he can be like the time jester. He's not the lord though. That uh, the or the Joker, more uh, mm. more likely. Is time lord like in reference to something? Is it like Doctor Strange, or is it just like? He uh so as soon as he got drafted, you know, sort of one of the first things is you're gonna have your press conference and like introduction and some of your first practices over the summer. And I believe he missed the team bus and or his flight. Uh and so <laughs> they called him Time Lord. And then it sort of doubled down with um him being to sort of slow down in the air and just block shots out of nowhere. Gotcha. Oh. See, when I first heard it, I thought it was in reference to him being, you know, per 36 monster, as we call him. Is Yeah, but, he, he yeah. was at the time. Now he's just a monster. He's, yep. Yeah. Well, maybe Jokic can... I, I feel like Doctor Strange is not a good nickname for him because, like, with the time stone, whatever. But <laughs> since Jokic is kind of playing... Like, I mean, if he appears playing, he's not highlight. Maybe Instant Pot is the right nickname because it, it's kind of plain, but it, it turns things good, you know? Yeah. <laughs> it's almost like like he's so like boring that just like the Joker is good enough for him. That's true. simple. He does have a good nickname. Well, may- maybe he'll get a new one. I, I think he should be the uh, MVP, but that's a conversation for another day. Oh, <laughs> uh, we'll do our Q and A at the moment. Uh, who is more concerning, and why Miami or Atlanta? You both said Miami. Any thoughts? On a downward trajectory, it feels like. Versus Atlanta, maybe he's not on an upward trajectory, but they have younger pieces that they're continuing to try things around and add to, and they're not necessarily like a bad struggling team. So, I mean, mean, it's not the most in-depth analysis, but I feel I would feel more comfortable. Although Miami has the better coach, I feel more comfortable being in Atlanta's shoes right now. Yeah, I mean, Atlanta, you could see the potential that each of their starters have. Uh, they have a lot of young guys. Miami was a team that we expected to that would make a move for you know, Bradley Beal, and they ended up not making really any improvements to the roster. Um, they still have those glaring holes in that, that roster. And, yeah, I don't really see where they go from here. Interesting. I would say Atlanta is more concerning. They had a very interesting article uh, in the athletic sort of showing all the dysfunction that's been the turnover in their front office. They are kind of out of picks without, uh, after that DeJounte Murray trade. Um, and there's no guarantees DeJounte Murray will resign. 
whereas Miami, they're pretty much in control of their picks. Uh, they will always attract people in South Beach. Um, and I believe in uh, hashtag heat culture and Coach Spo. That was a fair analysis. That was a fair analysis. Yeah. It was like a, there, was, there was a rumor of like drama between the coach, Nate, Nate McMillan, and you know Trey. So, so. I, I think there's rumors of Trey having beef with everyone. So nothing surprises me. <laughs> He's a menace. He's a menace. Yeah. I have a little, um, before we wrap up, a little trivia for you guys and the fans. Uh, it's just kind of a random player. The highest assist to turnover ratio in the last four seasons has been the same player. Uh, it was 2018-19. was seven assists to turnover, NBA record. Uh, they're currently third this season, but then they had 5.2, 5.5, 6.4. Do you know this? who this player is? Peter's nodding his head. Dan, you have a guess? Is it a Jones? It is a Jones. It is. I think <laughs> which I think, Jones is it though? I think they said it in the broadcast the other night. I'm locking oh, in is, on Tyus. It is a Tyus Jones. You are correct. Yeah. Kind of kind of under the radar. I, I had no idea if I hadn't seen this tweet. I, I, like four seasons in a row and currently third. Like that's impressive. Best, yeah, I mean, best he backup was... in the league. He was splitting yeah. minutes with what DeAnthony Mountain uh, when they were on the Grizzlies together, and then now he's got all. Now he absorbs all of those backup minutes, and every time John Morant's out, uh, you know, Tyus Jones has been really good, really good for them. Smart player. Always an instant fantasy pickup whenever Jaws out. Always have Tyus Jones <laughs> on 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 the bookmarks on your safe players. <laughs> pro tip. Absolutely. So, uh, anything to plug on the way out, Dan and Duncan. Uh, yeah, I have one little thing. I, I saw I did another quick little search and saw that um, a certain Phoenix Suns is interested in Terry Rozier. So I'm going to say you can have him. He can he can be your Chris Paul replacement. You can take that contract. He's all yours. We'll take DeAndre eight. Actually, I don't really know if I want DeAndre eight, but we'll take whatever you can give us. You can have Terry. Terry's been real scary this season. For the long yeah, not a good way. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Look at the look at the percentages. They are terrifying. Yeah, but the one game he does, like the one game where he like reverted back to his good percentages, the Hornets had a confident win over the Hawks. You know, so like it's just I think he's in a he's a better situation away from being a better player. You so go. you can have him. It's, it's a great pitch. I expect uh, to see the news any minute near your Shams. Dan, anything to plug? Uh uh, not nothing really. Uh, I guess the Wednesday men's game against who is it? Uh, Z- Xavier. Xavier. Yeah. Yeah. Support them. Support you found them. it. You're getting there. Yeah, yeah. Actually, I do have one more thing to plug real quick. <laughs> oh my goodness! Our, I give you an opening. Our occasional run with it. <laughs> our occasional uh, women's college basketball. Uh, I don't know if y'all saw the on some ESPN or something. They were talking about the player of the year for the women's league, and they were between Aaliyah Boston and Caitlin Clark. Aaliyah Boston, who's averaging like 14 points and 10 rebounds, and Caitlin Clark, who's averaging like 28 points, nine assists, and nine rebounds. What do you guys think? Is there is it as clear cut as an answer? Although Aaliyah Boston is super dominant, like is Caitlin Clark just an obvious pick? Uh, yeah, I mean, I always saw Caitlin Clark as like a. Uh... She's sort of in a Luca role for Iowa. Uh, the rest yeah. of that Iowa team, I guess she, she's kind of like, she has to do everything. Aaliyah Boston is in such a strong system in South Carolina. Maybe the probably the second best coach in the country, <laughs> um, Don Staley. Um, more, more of a, I, she's not a system player, but I, she has more talent mm-hmm. around her. She doesn't, she's like a Tim Duncan and, and, and Kane Clark's like a Luka Doncic. You know, they're they're asked to do different things. It's hard to compare. So uh, that's my input. Mm. Yeah, I mean, I'll admit I'm not well versed in the uh, women's college basketball world, but so I'll send my I'll send my vote to uh, best playmaker in the country, Nico Mule. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Okay. <laughs> Well, Although Leah Edwards has a shot for it, but yeah, I'm done. I'm done. You can you can take it away. <laughs> uh, you know, once you break that hour mark, 
our, our five fans dropped a three, you know, once, once we hit the, the hour mark. But uh, thank you, everyone, for listening. Um, maybe we'll be back uh, next week. Who knows? Maybe we do two weeks in a row. Fingers crossed. Uh, so we will catch you all then.